This is View from the Cop on the Blood Red Channel, our Liverpool FC fans podcast, bringing you all the big talking points at Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop Liverpool fans podcast on the Blood Red Channel. One year ago today, we witnessed the most incredible scenes as Jurgen Klopp's side returned to Liverpool, having won the Champions League in Madrid the night before. Even though Liverpool are soon to surpass even that feat by winning the Premier League, we won't be seeing similar scenes like that for a little while longer yet uh, but we're going to take a leaf out of Jurgen Klopp's book be positive and embrace the fact that Liverpool will soon get their awards for what has been an historic season I'm your host Paul Wheelock and I'm very pleased to be joined as always by Paul Philbin Paul how are you mate? Not bad mate how are you? I'm okay mate sun's shining isn't it the football's nearly back <sighs> we've got to try and be positive because there's, uh, there's other parts in the world at the moment <laughs> like across the pond yeah. where it's not good it's not good at all but uh, yeah as I say we're going to try and be positive on this podcast and I say we because we're also joined for the first time by Kai Delaney. Kai, are you okay? Yeah, good, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. No, no problems at all. <clears throat> but we've got you on, mate, as well as Paul, because we're going to rewind 12 months to start off to the day of the Champions League final parade. We've all been seeing the videos on Twitter this morning and reminiscing about it. Where, where were you, both of you? Were you? Did you make it back to Liverpool in time for the parade or were you you're still drinking in Madrid? <laughs> I was there. Uh... Well, the, the day after we were in, for me, it was a better day than the actual day of the final because <laughs> this thing saying that you, like, you are kings of Europe and we just, we sat in a bar in Madrid all afternoon just slowly enjoying a couple of pints and a bit of tapas and then we had a flight to Menorca to go because we had a night in Menorca so we didn't make it back for the parade. But um, I can remember being stuck on the flight just before takeoff to go to Menorca. And I was sat in the middle seat and to the left of me was a Tottenham fan. And I just had the uh, I had the uh, the parade because it was streamed live on Twitter by the club. I was just watching it. Um I was just watching it uh, on Twitter whilst I was um just about to take off before flight mode had to go on. Yeah, I got quite close to watching it back then. I on the plane. It was the first time in twenty four hours that I cried like because yeah, it just it must have hit home. Have you been doing it again? Because obviously we've all got a bit more time on our hands at the moment. Have you been reminiscing again? Have you around Madrid? Yeah, we. I've spoke about it a few times with mates and that, and this like this whole period of time just makes you realise moments like that you just need in your life as reliefs from the everyday things. Like Barcelona is another example. Like. I can remember that night. I was in work until three o'clock and I couldn't wait to finish work and just get out there and forget about work for the day. And You take it for granted at the time when you you have these moments where it is full of emotion. You just you just think, oh, same again next week. And it hasn't been, has it? It's been, what, over two months now, nearly three months since we've had any kind of emotion like that. You do start to miss it. You do, and we will we will come on to, to that and to talk about the present day, but I have to get your opinion on it, Kai, because it was a pretty eventful weekend for yourself. Not only did your team win the Champions League, uh, a couple of things happened personally as well to you, if you, if you want to share them. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty whirlwind 48, 72 hours, to be honest. We um, flew out there on the Thursday, a couple of days before the game, and then um, Friday I got a call uh, from one of your colleagues actually offering me the job to start work at the Echo which was uh, a day before the Champions League final so 
just come out of the Bernabeu, was doing the tour, and then, uh, yeah, stepped outside, got in a taxi, and um, was in the taxi, and You Never Walk Alone came on the radio, and then my phone rang from a Liverpool number, and offered me the job and the chance to move up to, to the city and start covering the Reds, so that, that was pretty mad in itself, and um, had the whole night, you know, celebrating with Liverpool fans in the fan park and things, and then on the Saturday, uh, obviously, everyone knows what happened with the game, and as Henderson was lifting the, the trophy, um, my, myself and my girlfriend got engaged as well. So uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty full-on weekend. Didn't have much time to process it all, to be honest. <laughs> You're not going to beat that. Did you? Would you have done it differently if Tottenham would have won? Would you have shaved it? <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, my, my original plan was that I was trying to get it done at Wolves. So we went up to the last home game of the season. Um, and there was that 10-minute spell where City were behind and we were winning and I was thinking, oh, God, I'm gonna, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in about half an hour. But, uh, no, City turned it around, so I didn't get the chance to do it um, at Anfield. So I had to, had to get out to Madrid and luckily, Devil Carigi popped up and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, mate. And obviously, you had a, a great night. So did you, Phil? Well, we've, we've done a lot in the last couple of days with the main Blood Red podcast and, and Guy Clark's done a documentary all about Madrid. It's absolutely brilliant. If, you, if you've not listened to that and you, you've got a chance, please do so. But what was the night like after the match? You you touched on it, Phil, though, in terms of it was the next day when you had a, a chance for it to, to sink in. What were the scenes like out in Madrid? We know what they were like back here in Liverpool. You know, the party was going on until five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. But what was it like on the on the streets of Madrid? It was it was strange, like for me personally, because I can remember after Kiev, um, got out the ground and was out until God knows, I think eight o'clock in the morning. You like the game was over with half an hour to go, so you kind of moving on, getting ready to leave the ground, and your mind's elsewhere. But after Madrid, I was trained. Like it, it felt like it took forever to get back to close to where we were staying. And uh, we just stopped at a couple of pints and just enjoyed the moment. There's a few Tottenham fans in, in the bar that we were in. With down, felt a bit sorry for them because it sound. But yeah, everywhere you looked, there were just Liverpool fans who had ho- obviously had a good drink. Like, and why not? You've got to enjoy moments like that. A moment that stands out for me, and it's quite random. Is I can remember getting back into bed. And I reckon I must have had a couple of hours sleep, if not. And my brother just turns around in the room to me and goes, oh yeah, by the way, Auntie Joshua got beat. I was like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was the sporting moment that was eclipsed, I think. Me, Sean Bradbury, Joe Rimmon and Conor O'Neill, we finished about four o'clock in the morning in the office and we actually went out. I forgot there wasn't even a boxing match on, to be honest. But yeah, definitely got eclipsed that night by what happened with the Reds. Like, But uh, (laughs) did you go out, Kai? Or I imagine you went out celebrating anyway. Yeah, we we, uh, we went from the little cafe where we were watching it. Um, we ended up going back to the fan park uh, for about an hour, hour and a half. And um, there was just reds everywhere on top of the bus shelters, hanging out windows. And it was just um, pretty surreal scenes there. So we went back for about an hour, but then um, just back to, back to the hotel after that and a bit of a quiet drink to kind of soak it all in and you know take, take in what had just happened in the last three or four hours, really. You know, both of you guys have said it there, and I know me and Paul on this podcast ever since we've started it, really, we, we talk a lot about with football and following Liverpool. It's not just about the actual football, it's the, the social part of it, it's being with friends and family. And, like, you've you've both given stories already about Madrid and who you were with on, on, the, on that night. Like, and at the top of the podcast, we were talking about football coming back, and we're, we're not going to have that in terms of 
going to games together just at this moment in time. But does it make it easier almost that you see people like Jurgen Klopp, how his kind of manner is, how happy the players are at training? We we seen yesterday there was a behind closed behind closed doors, I should say, into squad kind of match, and everyone's smiling, everyone's happy. Does that? Any doubts that you may have had about football coming back without supporters, you know, does it ease it a little bit knowing that the, the team is so up for this? It eases it for me. Um, like I know on previous podcasts I'd spoke saying we might sort of just wait until fans come back, no matter how long away like that would be. But the players <laughs> seem really happy about being back and they know what their job is at the end of the day, the two wins away from ending a drought of 30 years for Liverpool for the club and they're, they're just back with the mates like we all want to be back with our mates and like that's the important thing really isn't it like the football side of it that is the day job but it's a social element for them and they seem to be uh, loving it and it's great to see it's kind of giving me the, uh, the fire in my belly that I want to see it back as well because I've, I've spoken on here saying I'm not that fussed and I haven't watched any of the Bundesliga but today they, were, they announced a date I got butterflies I was like <laughs> right reality setting in here at some point over the next month or so Liverpool are going to win the title and it was great by the way I, I don't think it's been mentioned anywhere but whether <laughs> whether it was planned by Klopp and Cole to train at Anfield to get used to playing in an environment where there's nobody in the stadium is an absolute stroke of genius. I agree. I've not seen it. I've I've not seen that done, certainly in this country, since it's come back. Like, and it's going to be key, isn't it, Kai? Because, like, I know there's a lot of talk about, like, maybe the, the teams down the bottom may feel like sport and integrity, you know, has been compromised because they say Brighton play Liverpool at home. There's every chance like that Brighton would have a better chance of getting results, even though it's slim, if they had the home fans there. But you can't forget the power of Anfield, you know. Like without without Anfield behind Liverpool, Barcelona four 0 wouldn't have happened. And like I'm not saying that may happen in one of the games at the back end of this season, but Anfield's a really powerful thing. So for the for the lads to have gone out there yesterday and, and as Philbo rightly says, it's it was a smart move by Jurgen Klopp and the team. It is like I said, I haven't seen anybody else do it, um in in England, yeah, I haven't seen anybody do it abroad either. Uh, I think it's it's not just going to be the bottom teams. Obviously, they were the ones who were kind of most publicly demonstrating against that. But uh, you know, Liverpool's home Anfield crowd is, is one of the most famous around Europe, and I don't think it can be just taken for granted that how how important that is, and the fact they're not going to have it there. Um, every game, I know there's been a lot of a lot of news about you know the neutral grounds, neutral venues, and how that's going to affect things. But like I say, almost every game is going to be neutral in some way. Now there's no fans, so whether you're playing Anfield or whether you're playing at, at Brighton or Villa or wherever, wherever it may be, um, the matches probably aren't going to differ too much. Not at all. And uh, the, the thing is, you know, it's 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 the way I look at it. Over these past two and a half months, coming up to three months now, Jurgen Klopp is. It's yesterday we've seen what action he's taking there. He just seems to strike the right chord all the time, doesn't he? He seems to have played everything right. And like, I know we're all getting too political. You look at, say, maybe our leader in our country and what's going on in America at the moment. It's not very statesman-like at all, but Jurgen Klopp, sometimes you, you forget that he's just a football manager. He, he seems to have a lot more about him than, than, than other people. 
he doesn't really get things wrong, I don't think. Um, we, we said, you know, we've had these conversations in the office where we get back from a press conference and he's been um, he's been asked what could be quite an awkward question and he, he, he bats it back with a bit of laughter and suddenly everyone in the room is, you know, laughing along with him and you think that could have been a really awkward topic there but he just has a, a way with words and he, he always seems to come out on top and strike the right chord and I think with everything that's going on at the minute, absolutely the, you know, the Liverpool fans and the football world are kind of a bit down in the dumps that we haven't had anything for so long but it's, it's great to see him back and you know he's, he's smiling and, and getting on with it just as normal So a week on Wednesday it's back isn't it I think it's Man City versus Arsenal it's probably going to be the first game and then the following weekend it'll be Liverpool or Everton versus Liverpool at Goodison Park as things stand we'll come back to that issue <laughs> in a moment because we're not exactly sure of that just yet but how are you lads going to plan to watch the game? You know, uh, we've obviously been in lockdown for a long time now, but things are beginning to ease, rightly or wrongly. And the great news that has come out from the government at the moment is that you can actually see other people, up to six people outside your households. Does that mean that you're going to get together, fill those from your mates and, and watch the game with a social distance? I'd, I'd like to think that we'd be able to do that, but I think that's going to massively depend on the weather, isn't it? Because yeah. yeah. If it's, it's the outside, yes, <laughs> it'll be such low, won't yeah. it? The footy will kick off and it'll start raining again. <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably brush it in my house on my own. I'm zooming it, zooming it with the, the my mates rather than um, being able to sit in a garden watching it somewhere knowing the British weather. But hopefully, what, we're two weeks away from it or no, it's a two, just a week and a half away or so, two weeks. You'd like to think that things would be in this country in a better place anyway. So the the amount of people you can see and stuff could be slightly increased. And yeah, you want you want to see you want to, the moment it happens, whether it's Man City losing or Liverpool winning, you want to spend it with people that you spend the time with at the match anyway because they're the people you're with for those kind of moments and that's why you go to football isn't it certainly is and like fingers crossed for the for the good weather Kai you're obviously up in Liverpool working for the Echo but you're back down in Cornwall at the moment now God if it's if it's nice up here and it's been nice up here for the best part about six weeks now I bet it's absolutely scorching in Cornwall <laughs> yeah look, lockdowns uh, Cornwall's not a bad place to spend lockdowns to be honest <laughs> been out for walks on the cliffs and things most evenings but uh yeah I mean I, I don't know where I'm going to be watching the the final games I guess it depends what happens with work and things I'm either going to be at home watching it on the telly with my family whilst working or doing the same from the office or the flat up in Liverpool depending on uh you know if, if we can get out and about yeah, we are. We, we don't know that, do we? <laughs> at the moment, no. we're all still working at home. If if people who are listening aren't aware, yeah, we're still back at home at the moment. It fell quite nicely for me the time and other because I booked time off what for what should have been Glastonbury, and obviously that's not happening. So I've got I've got like ten days off, and in that period, hopefully Liverpool will win the title, so I can enjoy it properly, not worrying about having to go into or. Log on to me, log on in the house with a bit of a hangover and enjoy it properly. You will, you'll have wall to wall footy for, for 10 days, mate, at this rate. <laughs> if, uh, if the fans are <laughs> well, like, yeah. I don't know, four or five games at the weekend and then more more in, in mid weekend, yeah, I, th- I think you're right, mate. I think within those 10 days, there's got to be a real chance 
that Liverpool win the league given the fact that there's only six points needed and that and it, that depends on City winning their first two games as well. And just to go on to that point I made earlier, the Liverpool's first game is the derby at Goodison <coughs> or it could be a neutral venue. You know, there was a, at one stage there was even talk about Liverpool's like final four home games having to be played away from Anfield. And you know, fortunately or rightly, it does look like that talk has died down a little bit. What did you make of it all when it, it started coming out? You know, leaking from the Premier League meeting that yeah, not only could Liverpool potentially win the league, well, definitely win the league without fans being there, but potentially not at Anfield. It just it just didn't seem fair on on, on Liverpool fans or football fans generally in my book. Well, I was I was about to swear then. Um, it wound me up because the way people have acted around the country since measures of these and just cracking on as if everything's fine. And they're, they're just people. But for some reason, football fans and in particular Liverpool fans have been labelled as this problem that they're going to get together and stand outside the stadium who's going to stand outside the stadium when the footy's on the telly <laughs> and just sort of fresh Twitter it's not as if the pub's going to be open <laughs> like it, it's just stupid it's it's as if they want to make it as awkward as possible to get it back up and running because every lad and lady I know who go to match or people you know yourselves the sensible people you know what I mean and if if people wanted to go to Newcastle for the derby, people would get in the car and go to yes. Newcastle for the yeah. derby. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah, it's like it's, it was it's, just it's just ironic, isn't it? Like you were talking about maybe the derby being moved to the Etihad. Like Manchester's not the other end of the uh, the East Lanks Road. Like it's just yeah, as I say, it, it looks like that's the reports this morning when we're recording this podcast, it doesn't look like it's gonna happen, but Kaida you know, that, that would rub salt into the wounds, wouldn't it, really? Like, Liverpool deserve to, to when they win the title, and if it is at home, that, that game, as Klopp rightly says, there's a 50-50 chance it could happen away, it could happen when they're not even playing, but no, you've got to give the team the chance to do that. You do. I think it's, it's going to be bad enough anyway, given the circumstances that they're, they're not going to get the opportunity to celebrate it with their own fans, but to not even be allowed to, to play the remaining games or the, the decisive game, in the stadium, um, I think it's just a real kick in the teeth. The the timing of the announcement was uh, what did it for me. I think it, we had had the news that the Premier League was coming back on June the seventeenth, and everyone was happy and football's back. And then within half an hour, it's like yeah, but Liverpool aren't going to be playing their games at home. Or so it was just a it was just a real you know kind of the the timing was horrible and that joy was so short lived. But um, I agree with Philbo. I, I think if if you're going to do it for Liverpool, you've got to do it for everyone, for everyone. else. You can't just yeah. segregate. Well, what, I, I don't see why Liverpool have got this bad reputation or why without even giving Liverpool a game or two to try it, they're just dismissing it. Or they, they seem to be just dismissing it before even giving them the opportunity. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. But as I say, it does look... Like that, that scenario is not going to play out, but it does appear that this uh, the Merseyside derby at Goodison could yet be moved. We'll keep an eye on the Echoes website for that. No doubt that we'll be, we'll be following that over the next few days uh, because let's face it, the, the fixtures could be coming out very soon. Uh, well, we know the fixtures, sorry, of course, we know the fixtures. It's the, the ninth still to be played in terms of the TV scheduling. And as I said earlier, it's not tempting fate, but. Liverpool should win the league within two or three games time. What 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 do you do when when that happens? Obviously, he celebrates, but as a as a as a fan, you want to see 
Klopp and the, the the players go all out for that Man City points record, or do you mix things up and give game time to the likes of Harvey Elliott, uh, Nico Williams, <laughs> Takumi Minamino? What would you like to see once once that happens? It, it, no matter what, it's still football, isn't it? And there's records to be made. Play mm-hmm. like to me, I'd go and blow Man City's points total out of the water and just crack on. But then again, it's a great opportunity to gel a few of the the lads in who were on the fringes, likes of Curtis Jones, Williams, Elliot, who probably would have got chances come the end of the season anyway, off the bench. So so it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Either or it's fine, I'd, as long as we win the league. I'd I'd like to see them go for City's record. I think they've had a, a big enforced break now. There's only these nine games left. They're not in any other competitions. Um, I, I, it would be nice just to see play, you know, the, the strongest team as much as possible and and try and beat that record. Yeah. I, I would like so, to see people like Elliot and Minamino and things, and and maybe I, I, I don't doubt that Klopp will make some changes, and a couple of them will be dropped in here and there. But I don't think he'll be making four or five changes once the league has been won. It's a great way of making a statement as well of we've won the league and we're going to crack on as normal and it'll be the same again next season. The View from the Cop on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I think it's just that old mentality monsters kind of thing. The, 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 the comments I've read from Klopp, it's almost like we were going to win this league with fans and everything back to normal. And we're going to win this league in the same way without it being normal. I think they're just they're so kind of in tune with what they've got to do. I, I agree with you, lads. I think they'll be going for for City's records. Uh, that will transpire in the weeks to come. But I just want to take you back over this season because you two guys, I'm pretty sure you've seen all Liverpool matches, been at the games for all of them, or very close to all of them. Uh, and an idea you had, Paul, I know you were out with your, well, having a drink with your mates at the weekend, you know, catching up, reminiscing about things. And you were talking about Leicester. That was the performance for you on Boxing Day. And I, I did a podcast, yeah. I, I did a podcast with Dan Kay a few weeks, oh, probably about six weeks ago now, because it coincided with the anniversary of Liverpool 5, Forest nil in 1988. And obviously you two guys were far too young for that, but unfortunately I'm old enough to remember <laughs> it. And I, I can remember being six or seven at the time and my dad and my uncles and people in the family saying, well, you've got to watch this game. This is like Brazil, 1970s stuff. And I remember thinking exactly the same at, at Leicester City on Boxing Day, but I was watching it from home. Paul, you, you were there, mate. Why why is that game? Why do you want to speak about that one in particular of all the great games this season? It's, it's probably the greatest Liverpool performance I've ever seen, to be honest. And I think it was a wake-up call for the the rest of rest of the Premier League. I think Liverpool fans in general believed that the title was on after we beat Aston Villa back in November. But I think that Leicester City game was the day that Leicester and Manchester City just went, nah, there's no chance of catching each because after that, that the gap just seemed to grow and grow. I can remember at half-time being amazed that we were, we were only 1-0 up. It should have been about six nil. Like if I, if you were walking out that ground that day and went Liverpool won twelve nil, you wouldn't have been able to argue with it because it was just the the most amazing performance I've ever witnessed from a Liverpool side, especially on the back of flying back from uh, Doha just a few days beforehand. It was it was the the biggest statement <coughs> you could imagine, and it's as if 
everything had come together in Klopp's plan since the day he was there on that day. And there was, there's just been no looking back since. Like, we've had great nights under Klopp beforehand and great wins and great runs in Europe. But that was just a moment where it was like, wow, this is just... It was an I was there moment. It was like a, define, a game that defines a generation of football fans, Liverpool fans who go to match. And it will be spoken about for years because... Leicester, fair play, they didn't have an unbelievable season and that, but they're just not on the level of Liverpool. And there was there was a seed of doubt for a few going to Leicester that day because of playing in Doha just a few days before, and they just went, nah, not having this, and just showed just how good they are. It was it was incredible, really. Trent's performance that night, mate. Uh... He's redefined what it is to be a right back because that I've never seen. We, we, he's, he's shown it in constant, sorry, continuous times. How many times you can, you know, you want to imagine he, how good a player he is from right back. But that game in particular, he, he absolutely ran the show, didn't he? It was like having a Steven Gerrard, the Kevin De Bruyne, like completely dictating the game from right back. I've, I've, it's one of the best local performances I've ever seen, one of the best individual performances I've ever seen as well, to be honest. I, I think I texted you just after the game when I got back on the coach and just said that probably one of the best performances I've ever seen from a player because it was as if he was playing centre-mid, but a right-back. Like, how can somebody control a game from right-back? It just doesn't make any sense at all. It was incredible to watch it, and he deserved the goal. He should have had another one in the first half, if I remember correctly. But uh, he's just, to be fair to Trent, he's been incredible all season, hasn't he? He's just, to say he's 21 is just frightening. He's got He's going to win everything, isn't he? Numerous times. He's just an incredible footballer, really. There he is. Kai, you've already mentioned that. Obviously, you work for ourselves at the Liverpool Echo, but you're a Liverpool fan first and foremost. That's why you're on this pod. It's not a journalist pod, this one. In terms of you've been home and away all season as a... As like a video producer, you've either been in the press box or down in like the uh, camera, cameraman's positions. But you missed the last game. I like. I, I would feel bad for you, but you've actually seen a lot of other amazing moments as well. It, it, you can't pick Leicester then, even though you no doubt you're watching at home. Which is the game that stands out for you for all the ones that have got have gone so far this season? Yeah, um, it would have been Leicester if I was there. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, I, I just got back from Doha and I booked. A little bit of time at home and I think that was the first game all season that I hadn't either been working in the office or been at um, it, so it was quite nice to actually just watch that one um, and enjoy it and for me that was the game I watched it with a few friends and and said uh, at full time that's it like the, the league's won especially when City lost to Wolves the next day as well but in terms of the ones I've been at not necessarily the best performance but the, the kind of magnitude and the importance in terms of this season, it was on the field. But I just mentioned the Villa away, the, the uh, two late goals from Robertson and Mane. Um, I was at that one down, sat in the photographer's pen. So I was just between the goal that Tom Heaton was in and the Liverpool fans on the left-hand side. So I had the Liverpool fans on my left, Villa fans behind me and the goal on the right. And uh, when that Mane one went in, it was seconds from the end of the game I was I was there with my camera out filming kind of in case something happened when the corner came and um obviously the goal went in I didn't even see the goal because I was looking through the lens at the fans so then I just everything erupted around me 
the Villa fans, I, I'm a Liverpool fan as well, so I'm trying my hardest not to celebrate and go wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm stood about three foot from all these fuming Villa fans behind me and all the security and the police kind of into, in, in between the two sets of fans. So um, I, I didn't get to I didn't get to celebrate, but I did, I did film that and capture that moment. I remember actually seeing you, Philbo, in amongst all the fans. So I saw you there during the game and then... <laughs> I think it, I, I wasn't obviously in it, but I, was, I just witnessed it. And for me, that was the the best moment <clears> I've seen this season from a set of Liverpool away fans. You've mentioned it. I think you've mentioned it on the last podcast with Sam. Uh, Phil, yeah, yeah that, that was one of the big days, wasn't it? Like given the <laughs> given the context of it as well, because it's funny enough, City City were winning late that day against Southampton. I think I remember rightly. I was, we were actually in Anfield, uh, in a kitchen place, looking to do our kitchen up. And I remember the guy when the goals went in. Obviously, the the people in the shop were were, were big reds and like celebrating, like the the league was won, which is ridiculous given the time. What was it like Septemberish time, something like that, and. But that that showed how like you know how big moments they are given what happened last season with City. Yeah, oh, yeah. I I'm right in thinking that the next week we played City as well, or it was that next game yeah, City? It was definitely yeah, close it was, around that time. So it's it's a five point swing just like that from being one 0 down in the eighty six minute to two one up to then beating them three one, and like as you saw last season. One point's massive, so a five-point gap that early on is was huge, and we haven't looked back really. But Villa, that, that day was it was the best, one of the best Liverpool away days I've ever had. Honestly, like lads who I've known from the match for years, you saw how much it meant to them. Like we've all been in away ends and home ends when the last-minute winners have went in. But that just felt so different. It was it was such a bizarre feeling. Yeah, it, yeah, it was special. I've got my date. You got your dates completely right. I got mine hopelessly wrong. It was the second of November, and you're absolutely right, mate. Uh, eight days later was uh, City at home three one, and yeah, ever since then they've they were playing catch up and have never never really caught up. Obviously, uh, before we move on to like the final part of the podcast, I mentioned the last podcast we did. Uh, we had Sam Sam Evans from the Spine Cop nineteen oh six supporters group on, and he was talking about a charity walk they were doing one years on one year on from the Champions League final in Madrid. He, he was part of a group of twenty four Liverpool fans walking the distance from the Wanda to Anfield to raise money for Kind. Well, just to let you know, they've completed the challenge that covered one thousand two hundred and eighty six miles, and he more than smashed the total they were trying to get. I think they've raised more than £5,000 for the Liverpool charity so yeah well done lads a brilliant cause brilliant, brilliant. cause really amazing cause. yeah every credit to them no doubt we'll have people like, like Sam on in the future as well uh, speaking of the future you know I always ask this question uh, to, and Philbo's probably bored of answering it but like Guy how, how would you improve this team we've just been waxing Liverpool about it how would you improve this team because no doubt Jurgen Klopp and Michael Edwards will be looking to that maybe it's not this summer given everything that's going on in the world but how, how would you improve this team going forward? I genuinely don't think, barring signing Lionel Messi, I don't think the first 11 could be improved. <laughs> I, I think it's a question of, of squad depth. Um, we've been extremely fortunate that over the last two seasons, we haven't had a, a proper injury to any of the front three. They've played pretty much every game. Um, you look at City, and I think they're the benchmark for squads where you've got people like Leroy Sane, who has been injured this season, but you have Sane, Mares, Gabriel Jesus, players like that on the bench who are playing in the League Cup. And it's, it's just 
when you you buy in 50 60 million pounds worth of talent to come on for the last 20 minutes i think that's what you're competing with if we'd have had Sadio Mane out for six weeks, a couple of months, then you'd be looking at bringing in, you know, a Shakiri or an Origi who, you know, Origi's had his moments last season and he, he is that big game player, but whether he could do it consistently for a couple of months against the lesser teams if he was needed, I think that's another question, um, which I think is why those those Timo Werner links are inevitable. I think he would be, I know it's, don't want to bang that same drum that everyone's been asking for weeks and weeks, but I think he is the calibre of player that you need to come in and he can either you know, shake up that front three or or he can be there to to come in and play, especially with the Africa Cup of Nations next year. If that goes ahead, we're going to need some more strength in the, in the forward line when Salah and Mane are away. Where do you guys stand on Philip Coutinho? Uh, we all know that he's, he's, he's very, very unlikely he will sign for Liverpool again, certainly under Jurgen Klopp, but like without giving too much away, like if we do a Coutinho story on the website, it's really, really well read because people are interested to see what it's what's up what he's up to really because there is pro- probably a part of him like the grass isn't always greener kind of thing because you you know when a player leaves and he he really agitated for that move, you if it doesn't work out, you always do feel a bit vindicated and. There are interesting Coutinho stories and Paul Gorstar, Liverpool FC writer, has, has done one today and it's uh, very, very well read. Where do you stand then, you lads, on Coutinho? Do you think that door is closed forever, rightly, or do you think there should be a way back for him, you know, if he was at a reduced price further down the line and he, you know, he maybe offered not an apology but said, you know, hey, listen, I've made a mistake, you know, I'd love to come back. No, absolutely not. Leave him where he is, let him rot. <laughs> to put in a transfer request the way he did and then have an injury or whatever a parent's injury come into the side play well for a few weeks and then oh, get to January his shoulder starts playing up and next minute he's on, his, on the move whilst Liverpool are playing in the Merseyside Derby in the FA Cup nah he's, that's it with me like for me we shouldn't be discussing him coming back to Liverpool the way he acted and forced his way out was a disgrace and Liverpool have moved on and become a better side without him because obviously the money that was raised from selling him we got Van Dijk, Allison, etc then but if Coutinho was still at Liverpool now they wouldn't have got to Kiev in 2018 and they wouldn't have won the European Cup last season they're the better side without him I don't. I, I agree. I, I don't think he even gets in the starting eleven. I think if if ever a move was going to happen, it would have been when he joined Bayern Munich on loan. By by all accounts, he was desperate to come back to Liverpool for that loan deal, and it just it you know Klopp's if Klopp could have had him if he, if he wanted him back, and I think the teams moved on. They don't play the traditional four two three one where he could play as number ten. He's not going to get Mane's spot on the, on the left of the front three. So I, I don't think he deserves a move back after the transfer request and, and everything like that. I don't think he's earned necessarily moved to a team on Liverpool's level. I don't think his performances since he's left have been to that standard. And I just think that the team has moved on to a better place without him. Completely agree. I don't think there's any way 
back for him. Uh, just a final one before we, we wrap up. We've talked a lot about Liverpool winning the Premier League, which we all know will happen soon. And the man who will get his hands on the trophy first is, is Jordan Henderson. It's actually, I think, nine years ago this weekend since he first signed from Sunderland. And I know he's had a, a lot of ups and downs at Liverpool over the years. And, you know, I, I know, Paul, we've, we've spoke on this on this podcast at different times over the last few years about him. Uh, mm. But he, he does seem to have got the, the respect, to, you know, he's really earned now from the fan base and the wider footballing world. He's, it feels like he's really grown as a captain, as a player, particularly in, in, the, in these last couple of seasons. Yeah, his his whole Liverpool career has been strange, hasn't it? Like when he first came in, he was written off. Then he got into the side for thirteen, fourteen, and he he was unbelievable last season. I absolutely loved him last season, and his sending off against City seemed to be the moment the the title slipped away back then. Then he had a good season under Rodgers, and then slowly declined. And I. I when Klopp came in, I was watching the side, and it looked as if the Liverpool side was developing into something the Klopp was wanting, and Henderson was getting left behind. And even so, recently I remember him, get, remember him getting sent off. I think it was the start of last season when we won three 0 I think, and it just looked like it was frustration that he knew, that, or that, that it appeared that the Liverpool side was better than what he was. And I think that red card was a blessing in disguise because we came back from that and since then he's been incredible. And this season he's been the best player in the league by an absolute country mile and he thoroughly deserves to be Liverpool captain because the amount of downs that he's and that he's faced during his career at Anfield and doubters, myself included, for a number of years. And he's just went laughed in the face of every single one of them. It's incredible and He's just about to go into the peak of his career, winning trophies. So he's going to, hopefully, if the way we're playing under clock continues, he's going to become a very uh, popular captain for years to come because he'll be lifting a lot of silverware. Guy, you see him week in, week out, pitch side. Uh, you could, you probably hear him speaking. You know, he is, he is a true leader. What have you thought of Henderson, particularly this season? You, you do get a. Uh... A different perspective being down where I sit, you can hear everything on the you know, every single corner, every free kick. You can just you see he, he never stops. It's everybody knows that him and Milner are kind of the, the leaders of, of the squad, probably Van Dyke in there as well. But he he's just epitomizes the this Liverpool team, doesn't he? I think the only people that maybe have never worn to him are opposition fans. I <laughs> think he's he's won over yeah, every Liverpool fan, he has played almost every game under every manager. Kenny had him out on the right-hand side of midfield when he came in. So even though he, he couldn't get him in the centre of the park, he still wanted him on the pitch. Rodgers obviously famously offered him to Fulham. But after he stayed, he came back and became you know, an, an important player in, in that 13-14 team in the Diamond. And then, and then he's, you know, been made club captain after Gerald's gone and he's one of the most important players now on the club so I think for him to he's already won the Champions League a couple of other trophies in there as well there's a strong possibility that he's going to finish his Liverpool career with more trophies than Stephen Gerrard which I think <laughs> if you'd have said that when he first took over the Iceman, you would never have believed so um, no he, he thoroughly deserves it and if he was to get PFA Player of the Season this year, then it would be 
a testament and, and absolutely deserved. The biggest compliment you can pay to him now was the way he conducts himself off the pitch as well. He's just a class act. It's the way when you see what he does away from the football pitch and how he speaks about the club, the city, everything. Fair play to him. Just is that important, you know, because yeah, the Liverpool are the best team in the country this season by an absolute country mile. But they're actually a good group of players as well, a good group of people. Like I know that I imagine that comes from the manager down, but that, that is that important to you as supporters that you know they're not a, a, a bunch of you know what kind of thing. You know, the, it, 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 does it matter that the fact that you know the, the kind of people that you want representing your club? No, one hundred percent. Because when they put on the shares or whether they're walking around the city, they're representing the city, aren't they? They live here. They they're streamed to millions of people representing the city of Liverpool and that's what he wants isn't it and right now in the current squad they all seem to be great ambassadors for the city even though they're not all from the city definitely we'll all see them back on that pitch soon enough I think just over two weeks time that Merseyside derby will hopefully as I say get the date on that in the coming days and then you can really start planning uh, your time probably in front of the TV for most of us unfortunately but it, it's still great that the football's back uh, thanks Paul and thanks for Kai for, for joining us on this podcast and we will be back again in probably the next couple of weeks just before the season starts or after that first game back at Goodison uh, and bye for now You've been listening to the View from the Cop podcast on the Blood Red channel.